Hello, welcome to Doom Ray. It's Thursday, the 21st of February, and I'm back here online with um, regular host Kyle Jobson. Hi, Kyle. Hi, yeah. How's everything going? It's pretty good. I've just come straight out of a lecture and uh, I'm straight into showing our film for the week um, straight after this. So, film for the week then. We're carrying on with the the Biad film series that um, that you very kindly programmed for and selected for us. Last week's went, just a quick recap, we did last last week's... uh, one was lost in translation, and it went down really well. A really good. good, really good response from a very international audience, laughing at all the right good. places. Um, some debate after, you know, as to whether the Japanese are really funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a few people who've been to Japan um, uh, in in the audience, um, and some thoughts about, you know, whether whether it's whether that's a good, a good, a sensible strategy for a, for a film, but um, really enjoyable, and I enjoyed it a lot, a lot more watching it uh, uh, two days in a row, actually, the second time. Yeah. So well, that if was if that was a else hit. debate, which is what film should do. So. A- absolutely, absolutely. So this week, a uh, very different film. Yeah, yeah. You can't you can't really get more um, more more opposite to uh, <laughs> Lost in Translation, a film grounded in reality, um, based on, you know, loneliness, and although, I guess, common themes in loneliness and isolation. But, um, yeah, the, the film that I've chosen this week is Brazil. Um, Terry Gilliam... Uh, Terry Gilliam... Uh, let's try again. <laughs> Terry Gilliam's Brazil. <laughs> Third time's a charm. Um, and really, you know, the, the reason why I've chosen this film is... Um, you know, I think I said in my introduction, I tried to choose not necessarily what I consider the best films ever, but films that have kind of influenced the way I perceive film. Um, and Brazil, for me, was, um, you know, a real kind of eye-opener because it was it was just so imaginative and it was a, a completely convincing world. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I think what's nice to me is that it's it's the perfect kind of use of production design mm. and i think you know in in a time when um you know i grew up with like these massive special effect films um you know of of kind of the spielberg era of jurassic park and you know independence day and uh, you know those were kind of my my films that i grew up with that that, that <clears throat> relied so much on kind of computer technology um I love the idea of watching um, watching somebody be like creative mm. with production and and trying to build a world, um, but a real world. You know, try an actual yeah. build sets and you know use camera trickery as opposed to these, this kind of reliance on. Computer technology. So, to me, it's you know the reason I chose it was just the imagination involved in the process. No, absolutely. I think it's a tremendous film to show to a visual communication audience as well, which is what we do this afternoon because because it does span so many of those disciplines. Um, yeah. You know the 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 creative vision, the artistic design, the storytelling, the cinematography. Yeah. Um, it's absolutely fantastic cast. I mean, it must. It's probably. 20 years since I saw it um, the the last time other than last night 
Yeah. And I rewatched it last night and just reminded myself of just w- what a stunning cast it is. Um, um, people, But also, I think it's worth saying, uh, you know, I, I watched it a few days ago and it still stands up. Yeah. It doesn't look, it doesn't look dated. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think that that is because it, it's reliant on visual ideas and creativity yeah. rather than especially grounded in a technology of its day. So it, it, yeah. it's not, it, in 19, it's 1985, but it's, it doesn't feel like a 1985 film in particular. It feels no. like a film that, that builds a world that, as you say, is solid and believable. And, um, and, Every, everything in there, everything in the frame is is considered and thought yeah. about and it was part of this, this whole vision. And also, I think, you know, for me, um, there's, this, there's this kind of theory in the games world of, of environmental storytelling. Mm. And I think, you know, that Brazil is an incredible example of feeding in, you know, when you say that every, every aspect of every shot is considered... Um, you know, if you read the script, the script itself doesn't necessarily fill in the world. It doesn't inform the viewer of the world. Mm. Um, and then so much of of the kind of backstory of this world that it, they occupy is filled in through the, the kind of propaganda posters. Um, yeah. like one of my favorite moments is um, <laughs> when um, he's, at one point... Um, he steps out of the car, um, Sam steps out of the car, and it just, on the side, it just says, per- permit required. Yes. And I just think that's such a nice, you know, and just that level of detail. Yeah. That- no, every, everything, tell, everything contributes to the story and to the, and to the context, as you say. So we don't, ha- we don't have those kind of huge kind of uh, Dan Brown level exposition conversations. We, yeah, we, yeah. we hear, we see about it. We feel it. We kind of, we, we get the messages. We get the information through the frame. Um, and that's filmmaking. That's what yeah. good film, I think, I should say good filmmaking does that. It tells a story visually. Um, and it's amazing how if you, if you trust your audience and if you, if you trust them to be intelligent and to be thoughtful, yeah. and I think Gilli- Gilliam absolutely does, um, they will get it. They don't, you know, we don't need things hammering home all the time. And I think that's, that's a really important lesson to learn for, for any visual communicator is I think when you start learning about visual communication and, you know, how, how things work in, in terms of visual hierarchy and composition, then people, especially students, try, try and... Um, construct meaning constantly mm. um and almost overthink um visual meaning and and also in film they overthink story i mean i know i've been guilty of it um you know with my student films and i think if if you can trust the viewer and and you know provide hints provide pointers provide you know all all everything is considered i'm not saying kind of just hope that they find meaning Mm. but like you say i think when things are there's nothing worse than sitting in a cinema feeling lectured to about a world and feeling you know you have to invest in this you know we've spent 80 million pounds 
So you will you will listen to you know how how we this world came to be and there's a backstory and it's like one of my favourite moments in the entire film is um, in I think it's only about twenty minutes in but they're in a restaurant mm. and um, they're having this kind of high society meal and then a wall just blows up yeah there's an explosion from the kitchen isn't it yeah, yeah there's people people bleeding there's people you know, falling apart, there's sirens. And then one of the dinner guests says, um, why don't you do anything about these terrorists? And he says, well, it's my lunch break. <laughs> yes. And right. it's not really my department. <laughs> and I just think that sums up, you know, just that one line just sums up the entire society, the attitudes of of, of the populace. Yeah. Just every, It is just an absolutely beautifully written scene that that takes you into this world and just goes, okay, so not only is terrorism kind of an accepted part of life, but, you know, the, it's just, you know, is health and safety gone mad? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the whole form thing, the whole bureaucracy uh, aspect of it, I mean, I think it's a beautiful kind of, uh, it, it's monstrous bureaucracy that's the enemy, isn't it? It's, yes. it's, it's vision, and that's, and that's visually made solid in Sam's dreams of the um, the kind of Japanese uh, warrior that um, that that formed uh, out yeah. of out of junk and rubbish. It's it's made visually um, evident in uh, in his uh, vision of Archibald Harry Tuttle uh, yeah. drowning in a and suffocated by paperwork um, yeah, yeah. towards the end. Uh, so so much of it. Um, is there told visually, but the story itself i mean the 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 actual construction of it is is also beautifully beautifully done as you say this it's not all it's not all just visual it's there it is a beautifully told told story yeah. and it obviously takes its lead from uh from orwell's nineteen eighty four there's a lot of, yeah. lot of stuff in the media at the moment about about orwell um and um and and I, and interestingly gilliam confessed not to having read 1984 uh after after he made this film he, although he was inspired by it and and the whole thing of 1984 of course has become maybe you didn't need to you don't need to read it because it's become such a part of our kind of cultural landscape yeah. and heritage that we we think we know that story we know mm. the kind of individual oppressed by um by a fascist uh, state um, who use fear um, and misinformation and disinformation to to terrorise literally um, anyone who who would like who would step out of line. In in this, we've got a much more a kind of pragmatic approach, and I think a, a humorous, but also uh, I think a realistic, uh, gen genuinely realistic view of of things. In the, in that it's the it's the that fascism is banal. It's, yeah, yeah. it's the small um, giving up of our freedoms to things like, oh, terrorism is just a backdrop to daily life, and therefore yeah. we have to we have to um, give up certain freedoms, which is incredibly cu current and contemporary. It makes this yeah, whole thing is. contemporary. Um, and it's funny because actually watching it um, now, there was. It's it's one of those few films, and it's a it's a very rare and beautiful thing when these kind of things happen. But where it becomes more and more poignant the more you watch it, yeah. And 
time, you know, it's it's this kind it's, of sci-fi at its yeah. best, where it predicts a future. Yeah, I think so. I think it's been, time has been very good to this film, and I think it is because of, because of that, because we've got, you know, society in the West has gone down a particular particular route um, yeah. in, term, in terms of uh, you know, dealing with terrorism and so on. But also, as you say, that they... That culture, we, that phrase that we get in England all the time, health and safety gone mad, that, yeah. that kind of petty bureaucracy that, that is the stuff of, of true fascism, of true control, uh, yeah. in individuals themselves insisting on um, must have this form to do this thing or the stamp on the form from a different department or you know, yeah. we, not being able to think without those kind of crutches and the, those kind of guide, rigid constrictions and structures of society, that it's that, it's the individual imposes this fascism on themselves just as much as it's an external one. There's no big brother in this film. Yeah, yeah, and that's but that's that's the wonderful thing is to me, it is that idea of <clears throat> with 1984, it's obviously um, a it's it's about oppression of a society, whereas this is about kind of oppression and suppression of the individual. Yeah, by and, individuals as much as yeah, anything, yeah. by the individuals themselves. And I, I mean, we we know, we know that, that you know that censorship and so on. The best form of censorship is is self censorship. The most effective form of government and policing is self policing and and states have known this for a long time i i guess when when orwell is writing from the perspective and, and of course 1984 is from the perspective of 1948 yeah. that, that the the clear and present danger was was a fascist uh, government a government that comes out of a kind of socialism uh, and take and goes to an extreme because of having the the model of the uh, of the soviet union to yeah. look at and the way that that revolution had um, had had gone uh, in a particular particular direction um, of oppressing the people. Um, so Orwell was writing had other concerns, I guess. But but now, from the perspective of 1985 or 1984, when uh, when this film would have been in production still mm. or in post production, Gilliam is dealing with the reality of, of, of maybe a society that has oppressed itself and is is, is doing that. And I, I guess he's also seeing that through things like the film industry. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, but but also I, I think you know <clears throat> I quite like the idea of um, in in 1984 society has become completely desensitized to the world around it almost, and it's these few people who who see outside of that society. You know, it's almost like a brave new world idea. Yes, the, um, the the elite, the party elite. Yeah, yeah. Whereas what you know, what I like about Brazil is in every in every character there's humour and humanity. I think that's a really nice a nice thing that um, you know, like Ian Holm is is mm. uh, is believable as that character. Absolutely, he doesn't he doesn't seem like somebody who's constructed for a narrative purpose he seems like somebody who really wants to be good at his job and like my, one of my favorite lines of his is uh when they find out that uh uh Buttle's dead um <laughs> and he says damn god that's a shame how are we ever going to get rid of this check now that's right <laughs> it's this kind of moment of you think there's this kind of humanity in him and that he's mourning the death and the passing of this 
this innocent guy. And he's actually, you know, just bricking it about <laughs> about trying yeah, to... Yeah, about of... the paperwork that we'll have to yeah, do. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's really nice that, you know, the... Every, the that society feels like it, I, I, it feels more believable because people are living their lives in this yeah. world. Yeah, there are no there are no really evil people in this film. No. I mean, even uh, Helpman, um, mm. who's the who's I guess the equivalent of um, of O'Brien. Well, yep. it's a kind of composite character, isn't it? They've well, the other way, the opposite of that. They've they've kind of splintered O'Brien's character into two in this film. You've got Helpman who offers the helpman, the helping hand, the opportunities for advancement within the bureaucracy. Yeah. Um, but they've also split it with the, the, the fr- his friend, um, uh, Lint, Jack Lint, mm. um, who plays O'Brien, essentially O'Brien's role as torturer um, yeah. within this. But even, even there, his... His, I guess that's the closest we get to to evil, uh, or the at least the the deeds he does are are clearly but then, evil. But it, but it's 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 almost like because of the absence of something, the absence of of, of empathy with other with other people, or or, just, or an obsession with the problems that will cause him, um, if he, if he has to go down a certain route. Yeah, and the, oh, and the lovely thing sense. about about Michael Palin um, and his role in it is. The first time we meet him, he's he's kind of very forthcoming. He's he's a family man. Mm. He um, he encourages um, <clears throat> you know kind of the lesser to aspire and to you know be more than he is. Um, so you, it's it's really weird because when he, when you know, like you say, he's kind of this evil. His, his acts, acts are, are evil. evil. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> that's it. That, He's still a very human character, and it's all, you know, you're looking at him kind of going, uh, well, I don't know whether I do it because I, as you know, I have a real soft spot for Michael Palin. Mm-hmm. But it's um, it's quite, it's almost, you almost feel sorry for him for doing it. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's it's because of his focus is is in the wrong place. His yeah. His value system is such that, he, he values the advancement within within his job, um, within and his role in society more than he focuses on the other things. I mean, he's got uh, triplets. That wonderful that wonderful line about about I mean, Jonathan Price says, "How are the how are the twins?" He yeah. said, "He said it triplets." He said, "Oh wow, how time flies!" It's, sort of, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's fantastic. Um, but the, the, with with Holly, uh, his, his daughter, he keeps calling another name. He keeps calling by another one of his other child's names, yeah. and she keeps saying, "My name's Holly. I'm Holly," and <laughs> and, the, and even even keeping track of which kid is is which is hard for this guy because he almost certainly because he is so focused on on the job yeah, yeah. and that's, I think, terry, that's terry gilliam's daughter by the way isn't it the, yeah the, yeah the young Holly. yeah and you know i think one, one thing that's worth worth kind of touching on it i guess is in in the introduction that that i recorded i talked about seeing it seeing an animator an animator. I mean, I don't know whether he'd object to being referred to as an animator, but you know, um, I think he is an animator. I think he makes yeah, films but, like an animator. Yeah, yeah, and and that you know that's one of the reasons I chose it is, um, you know, halfway through um, my degree, I switched from 
film to animation because mm. I was I was intrigued by what how how animation gave you kind of a sense of creative freedom that you didn't get with film. And what I like here is watching an animator turn his hand to film mm. and you know searching for that creative freedom that animation allows um in live action and i think i, I agree i mean i think you know i've said i've said this to students i've had conversations with animation students about this that that one of the things that animation demands of you is that everything is constructed and therefore mm. ev- everything has to be thought through um i had conversa- conversations with students who are storyboarding or or writing treatments for an animation and and i and i'm saying okay what what is she wearing what kind of jacket what age is it are there any distinguishing marks what kind of fabric is it and and they and they kind of initially think i'm going crazy and asking too much detail but it's necessary because you have to make these choices and if you make them without knowing what the choices are you will communicate something in- unintentional yeah. um so so you you know you will communicate whatever you do will communicate something you want it to be what you intended but i think that's how proper properly film should be considered too it's it's too e- i think it, it's too easy to think well i'll point a camera at stuff yeah. because it because it's all out there isn't it but yeah. that that's something very different that's documentary filmmaking yeah, and but you know i think i think it's important to think of film in that way and that's why i think that's why gilliam is so is so brilliant at it yeah and i, I also think you know <clears throat> okay so if if we tag him as an animator it's clear in this film not well it, it's clear not only that he loves film and adores film but has a <clears throat> has a very deep knowledge of it Mm. um oh yes yeah, so many you references know, like, the references to Casablanca and you know <clears throat> battleship like, Potemkin one, yeah I yeah and you know all those wonderful <clears throat> moments where, where he almost you know if if any of the students are sitting there saying where did this film come from he gives you the um the kind of lineage of mm. of of his oh, it's all there, isn't it? It's all there yeah, it's visual a, on the it's screen. It's a wonderful thing. And, you know, I think that that this is part of... Um, this is the Empire Strikes Back of the what they dub the Imagination versus Reality trilogy. Um, and, mm. you know, I, I think, to me, it's the strongest of the three films. Yeah. Um, um, you know, out of Time Bandits and the adventures of Baron von Munchausen. Munchausen. I like that film. I like that film. I have a soft yeah, spot I, for I Munchausen. Do. But to me, um, Gilliam peaked at Brazil and then picked back up for 12 Monkeys. Yeah, and it's really actually, this is his early masterpiece, I think that's fair, fair yeah. to say. And I think watching... Watch, I watched 12 Monkeys not long ago and then watched Brazil again after... And it's funny because 12 Monkeys hasn't aged either. Mm. So there's clearly something he does in production design um, or his team do, you know, I can't give all the credit to him. But, um, you know, I, I think, and there's there's something that I love and I, I don't know whether this is just me reading far too much into the films, but <clears throat> um, he always uses these plastic screens, these magnifying glasses in front mm. of screens. Yeah. Um, that turns 
um, the actors into like caricatures of themselves. Where you look through somebody at a, at, if you look through through a lens, through a magnifying lens at somebody, it's yeah. a fantastic visual trick. But um, it creates this kind of, this very animation-based, you know, kind of exaggeration. Of I think he, I think he's so visually oriented, he, he can't resist that kind of thing. That you know, yeah. that that it's just too, it's just too great a gift for a filmmaker of his of his kind to yeah. to be to be able to look at somebody in a strange way through something or through yeah. you know, through transformed in some way i think it's just a I, th- I think it's just his response to that visual image but it's also his his sense of fun and he does play yeah, yeah. with with the camera and with, with you know with imagery and it's funny cuz the um you know i often think he he does have a he is a very playful filmmaker um and you know all of his films have a sense of humor to them um but one of my favorite moments is um the introduction to mr kurtzman where it has that um the <coughs> kind of um dolly shot down the down the mm. room with everybody yeah. kind of, and, and that wonderful piece of music um but he's standing there with because, you know, his name is written on a wall next to him. <laughs> and it looks like it actually, you know, I don't, again, I don't know if this is intentional, but if you follow the lines of the wall, he actually looks like a character sheet. Because mm. he, he stood, he, you know, when, when you kind of do character design in animation, you're always told to um, put action and emotion into, into a character. Or, or, a, or a telltale stance that surmises their, you know, their, um, their character. And what I love is that first shot of him is that's a character sheet. You know, that's a, with him kind of slumped over with yes. these lines in his name. It, it just looks like somebody's yeah. Well, designed I I'm absolutely certain you'd have seen that in a storyboard. I've not seen storyboards for Brazil, but you can see that shot, can't you? Just in yeah. your mind's eye, that that would have been a standout moment. It lets introduce the character in the same way that an animator introduces and defines characters. I think you're, yeah. I think you're right. I think, um, and you know, I, I just think as <clears throat> as well the you know um, from from a kind of keen gamer's point of view, I think last last time I saw Brazil before. Um, I watched it a few a few days ago. Was probably about five years ago, and um, that was kind of pre Fallout Three and Bioshock. And you know, when I now watch Brazil, I kind of think there is there is so much of of Brazil in kind of gaming culture at the minute um, that you know I, I know there's no what's the what's the t- what's the phrase there's no inspiration without um i can't even remember but it, you know this i'm i'm losing my words um you know there's and I, I kind of think you know there's so much that's that's grounded in in uh brazil and how it's influenced and it's funny because a lot of people haven't seen it <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's become part of this become part of the the kind of canon of things, isn't it? And that visual, I mean, I, I certainly think the, I don't think it's, it's too much of a stretch of imagination to suggest that a lot of what we see in kind of steampunk things is yeah. uh, is influenced, if not directly inspired by Gilliam's imaginative um, 
compression of of eras and technologies and time and i think that's a beautiful thing here it's um it's something which worth watching the uh, if you if you've not seen it the the 1984 version of 1984 um, yeah. as well to to see how they deal with um technology and advanced technological society from the from the perspective of 1948 because there's a similar kind of um mishmash of uh, of, of technologies going on there but yeah. here here it's turned to a, an entirely i think um it's less a comment on um on kind of where the where the story's coming from and much more a kind of it's a, it turned to a visual playfulness and a desire to kind of Im- to to wrap the characters up in in arcane processes that are ju- that are visually interesting and frustrating at the same time. So the the, yeah. con- the you know the having to feed they're using the vacuum tubes for for messages and sending checks. The 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 ducting the pipe work. It's it's all kind of adding layers to this notion that we're bogged down with um, with bureaucracy with processes. And the kind of hidden notion of it, you know, what what happens when we don't know what happens when we send that message up that tube. Something happens, but we don't yeah. know what it is, and we're and we're not meant to know what it is. We're not meant to know what happens in behind the wall panels of our of our home. You know, that's yeah. for someone else to deal with, and we're yeah. and we're not and we're not even permitted to look yeah. at it. Even if we could understand it, we're not permitted. Um, and I and I think that's. Um, so, so I think he's doing it for a visual reason, but also there is a kind of layer of communication happening there as well. But it's, yeah, uh, and I think you know, I really like I really like the idea of kind of the rogue, you know, the the rogue <laughs> heating <against> engineer. The, <laughs> yes, you know, quite, and when he enters, and you kind of like, oh God, it's one of the terrorists, and you know, and then. Uh, and then he turns out to be this heat again, and his 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 escape is so epic. As <laughs> he <laughs> Batman's his way out of the flat. Mm. Um, you know, I, I I like this idea as well that um, this the, that automated society fails. And what I love about that is it's it's when he's when he wakes up late and his clocks failed mm. and his teas covered the toast mm. and you know it just it it's this kind of thing of um relying on technology and how technology at every single step mm. is completely you know just non-functioning and but if anything you, else it ruins his yeah. life <laughs> well, yeah, well it does it absolutely ruins his life and ruins other people's and and you that kind of a notion that that the the human beings involved can't imagine anything better uh, it's not that it's not that they're saying, "Oh, this is broken. We've got to fix it," or "This stuff is." It's it's just a kind of like an acceptance of, "Well, this is the way things are. We we've got to kind of make we make do with it." And um, the powerlessness of the individual, I guess, within within all that. Yeah, and and I, I think as well, you know, one of the lovely things about this film is that it's it's all done with a sense of humour, and I think that. You know, so often images of the future are so bleak. The dystopia kind of approach. Yeah, but the thing is, this is dystopian. Yeah. That's the, that's the funny thing is, you know, like <laughs> there's a bit when he uh, when he first um, drives out just before he first sees Jill, and there's kids <laughs> with one of them thrown up against the wall, being mm. 
you know, patted down. Mm. One of them in that kind of straight jacket. Yeah, act, acting <laughs> out a government. Yeah, and they're uh, pointing uh, a gun at mm. the kid. And, you know, which, that's which is what a happens. horrible that's idea. That is what happens. Yeah, but it's, but it's, it's, you know, it is kind of lighthearted and it's... Uh, um, well, we laugh. Well, we laugh like at it. Good satire, we? isn't it? Like yeah. good satire has a yes. sense of humour. Yes, absolutely. We laugh at the ridiculousness of it at the same time as we recognise uh, just how close we come to it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's a fantastic choice of film to show to the students, and uh, and I very much enjoy watching it again. Good, and uh, you know, I hope <clears throat> even you know, even if. Even if they don't necessarily kind of, you know, love the idea of the film, or um, I, th- I just think visually, I mean, there's not many films I can watch on mute, mm-hmm. but I'd happily watch Brazil on mute. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's a wonderful film, and I really hope they all enjoy it. Yep. Yeah, well, we'll feedback on that in next week's show. So we've got a, a few more minutes, I guess, before we. Uh, before we end the show, do we want anything else we want to talk about? Any, any, any kind of? Let me think. Has any has any company just kind of <laughs> kind of stood on stage and said nothing for two hours? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I I stayed up until one o'clock in the morning, and went to bed feeling so pissed off. <laughs> it's, uh, it was no. I've I've never ever known a more bizarre announcement of a product. It was like the PlayStation Four is coming. You can't see it. Um, <laughs> it was like the, it was the opposite way around because normally how these big, you know, just in case Sony announced the PlayStation Four, just in case. Um, but you know, more often than not, the way around these companies do these things is they say, "Here's the console," and they put it on a plinth. Um, and if it, you know, or or a piece of technology, and if it's Apple, then Jonathan Ives says the word "beautiful" four hundred and thirty-six times, um, and then and then um, and then I pre-order it. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, and they kind of put this piece of technology on the stage, and then with with kind of consumer electronics, they then say, um, "Oh, by the way, we can't show you anything on it, um, but here's a load of tech demos of what it might look like." Whereas Sony actually did it the other way around, and they went, here's a load of games that we've developed, you know, and these kind of, you know, playable demos by this myriad of companies, and then went, but you can't see the console. <laughs> it was just the weirdest, That's what, weirdest what, what, idea. What is all this about? I mean, it it seemed from the reports like the like the whole event had been rushed together have been put together in a, in a real hurry um there were people saying that the organization outside the event was really was really bad and that then inside was was no better um that, that they just hadn't kind of got the organization right and then the the opening it with saying well you know this is going to take a couple of hours or so i think there's, there's something as vague as that it's like we, yeah, this right. we'll, we'll be going on for a couple of hours or so you know that, that lack of Precision. It might sound like I'm being being a, a kind of stickler for Apple level planning no, about it, but no. no I, but it I just says something, doesn't it? I mean, what? And then you've got nothing like to show. The really. audio, the audio kept dropping hmm. in between presentations, okay. um, and there was this kind of there was no kind of you know with with these things. What you do is you you build and build and build and build and build, and then you go here it is. Hmm. 
and everybody goes, oh my God, I must go and order it now. Mm. And with this, they kind of went, oh, PlayStation 4, and then just just kind of nattered. Well, I guess, yeah, it's almost like everyone knows this has got to come at some point or something has got to come. Sony are in... I guess trouble in lots of in lots of ways. They certainly need they certainly need to show something special, and they need to show what's going to keep them relevant in a kind of but, but you know, in a world where in a world where they do yeah they do absolutely they need to show where they're relevant because uh, on one hand we've got a dramatic move to I guess you know, which console gamers have already berated me for this morning um, to to mobile to hand to handheld devices to Android and iOS. Um, uh, on the other hand, you've got Sony being number two in the console um, space. You know, uh, probably a fairly fairly distant number two, I'd have thought. Um, no, it's, it's not yeah, that distant. Okay, it's, it's significant. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Um, and and well, a sense and a sense that as a company, they're not really clear what they do and not really clear where their focus is. They've had but that a few. Was the terrifying thing for me was. This this was their moment to go. Yeah, yeah, this okay. is who we are. This is what we're doing, and this is when it's coming out. Yeah, and they blew it. Yeah, and instead they went. Here's 430 million ideas from 50 studios that might come to fruition. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it was that kind of. Well, what know, did, so what? What do we really know? What do we really know now? We we know that. There is a PlayStation 4. That's the first thing. That it's not going to be an entirely new, um, like a, a, a new approach for Sony. The but approach, the, the architecture is different. But what we know reads like a rumors board on a forum. Sure. But so, so we already we already had a fairly good idea that they were going uh, strongly rumored that they were going to uh, drop a kind of the, the kind of um, custom chip. Kind of approach and really and go to a, a an x86 yeah, approach yeah. with AMD. Um, this is a architecturally a PC. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I mean, I'm no, yeah, ga- no, no, I'm no, no gamer. It's, this it's is not a, even architectural a PC. It, it, it's a PC. Um, you know, with um, <clears throat> and th- this was the thing is I think you know at least at least with Wii U for all the failings it had um, and the failure that it is. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, it at least kind of went. This is what this is what we want to do with it. This is, you know, this is how we see you interact. Yeah, this is how we imagine this fitting into your life. It's not the yeah, same thing as this, a console. It's not. It's a, not a PC. It's something something different. We think it's going to be a success. I I, I, I doubt it. <laughs> you know, I didn't. I didn't think that was going to. I couldn't see how that's going to work. But it's clear what the vision was. I don't yeah, see I a vision with, here. With um with this PlayStation announcement. I felt more like a group of me and my geek friends at a pub going, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if you could, like, you know, like when you close your MacBook Air and then you open it up? Wouldn't yeah. it be great if a PlayStation did that and I could take my FIFA game with me? It feels but like that, incremental that's, improvements. That's the detail that they went into, yeah. which was terrifying. It feels like incremental improvements to, you know, and it was interesting that it started out, I forget the, the guy's name who's been who's lead on the project, but that that he's saying that he that he'd been working on this since shortly after or the early days of the PS3 launch, and and saying that you know there's things they've tried to do with the PS3 that they couldn't do because it was kind of hamstrung with with the kind of architectural choices that they'd had to make early on, and yeah. so this was an opportunity five years ago to rethink some of those things 
but even on that basis it seems like this well you know this is the this is the best last generation console that uh, uh, that sony could imagine five years ago um yeah. I, I don't know it doesn't I, I feel like the scary any... thing is is that <clears throat> they wheeled out all these kind of buzzwords of sharing and you know uh, oh well um you, you can take control of your friend's control like at no point have i ever thought you know it'd be swell right now if Rob swept in and took over my game. <laughs> and no point has anybody ever well, asked. Even, but even if, if they did, it's, it's, these are all incremental kind of add-ons. They're features to what is clearly now, um, for me, I think, the con- the console market, um, you know, I'm not dismissing it at all. It's it really, no, it's really important, but it's, an, but it's, it's kind of peaked. It's where, it's where it's ever going to get to. It's PC yeah. gaming now. Like yeah, it's, 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 console gaming is what PC gaming was five years ago. So it's, it, it's diminishing returns from here on in, I think, in that, in that whole area. That's not to say there won't be consoles. It's I mean, the thing is, is that I think, you know, there's, there is still a massive hardcore following of, of console gaming. Sure. Um, that is huge. But I, I do I think we'll get those kind of Halo, you know, Halo 3 size entertainment launches, you know, the Call of Duty style launches? No, because firstly, there's nowhere to buy a game. Hmm. And secondly, the hardware providers have made the decision to kind of empower an audience in a way but they've learned from apple and they're tying them into an ecosystem um that that means that you don't get that level i mean the thing is is that apple still get those massive queues of people outside their stores well they've got stores yeah exactly and that's the difference is you know like if i want if i want to go and if i want to pre-order a game then the nearest computer game shop to me now, having Blockbuster closed, Game Station closed, um, is HMV in town. Um, mm. yeah, and, <laughs> For how and much longer? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. And you know, um, and you know, that's that's the weird thing. And it's funny because Nino Cooney, <clears throat> I I bought through PSN, and you know, I've had this I've had this debate. I've written articles on it. You know, on on my blog that. I was, you know, I remember arguing with you, you know, so staunchly that I would never, ever give up my kind of special editions. <laughs> um, and now I've just got to the point where it's like, for all the fuss, for all the bad customer service, <laughs> I'd rather just click the buy button. Yes. Um, and yeah. maybe on that note, we should leave Sony some food for thought. <laughs> well, you know, I, th- I do think, it's a it's a very different thing that the whole ecosystem thing sony saying a ps a vita fits into this you're going to use it with your ps4 in the way that we promised you could use it with the ps3 um yeah. uh you know it's, it, that's a very that's a bit like apple saying we're launching this thing called the iphone there'll be some games on it and to use this you need a mac and, and yeah. to, to me it it strikes me like they're still trying to hang on to a previous vision of what this stuff is. They're not prepared to cannibalize their existing business. And I think a yeah, really, what, really yeah, exciting that, that approach was... would have been to say, 
there's no you know the ps4 is virtual maybe maybe that's why they didn't show it maybe it will be invisible um (laughs) uh, but like skynet yeah yeah maybe that's it the the network has taken it but maybe that would have been the the brave choice is to say the the playstation is now going into a different thing entirely it's going to be on your handhelds it's going to be on ios it's going to be on mobile it's going to be on our devices it'll be our devices will be the best in class way of experiencing this thing uh, and that it is the network rather than oh well we've added in those things to what's essentially a a, a gaming pc yeah, yeah. yeah and you know i think you know like you say that they they don't cannibalize their their uh, their old products and you know i think if you look at apple they're a company that's brave enough to do that and have done it you have and to continue to do it yeah. um anyway on that okay. note right okay thank i'm gonna you. have to wrap up okay thank you carl thanks for another excellent film for us to watch this week and if you're listening, okay. at, listening at home you can watch uh, the film well, it's hard to get this film it's not on itunes and it's not on netflix in the uk <laughs> which so, means it's hard <laughs> so it's amazon for, for you um yeah. Thanks then, Carl. Um, next week we'll be back with uh, Garden State and, yep. um, and and see what the fallout from the Apple from the Apple I just said it, from the Sony event has yeah. been. Um, and uh, thanks also to Agents of Evolution for the theme music and audio production. Yep. And um, see you next week. Yep. See you in a little bit, Rob. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. Bye, Carl.